0: So tonight, being the oppositor, come together to practice, chant, listen to the patimokha. Season is going into autumn, so the nights are cooling down, but the weather is still warm and dry much of the time. So it's convenient for Practice a lot of sitting and walking, you can even sit outside and certainly walk meditation outside. The Buddha, in his wisdom, pointed out that the World belongs to no one. It has no one. <clears throat> and the world is used to refer to Kilesa Dhanha Upatana. Which is conditioned from ignorance, avicha. Avicha builds the world, creates the world, our attachment to the world. And this world has no owner. So part of our delusion is we're always taking ownership of that which has no owner by mistake. And this is what leads human beings into all kinds of suffering, competition, rivalry, for the resources of the world, the things of the world. As long as we follow the way of Avicah, Dhanha Ubatana or in short, kilesa, it leads us into conflict with others, conflict within our own hearts as well. And there's no end to this. The Buddha said, the way of the world is endless. There's no resolution, no finish. But the way of Dhamma Vinaya, leads to a finish, leads to resolution, that's why it's the way that leads to peace, peace in the heart. But we have to train in this, train to see, to know, to understand the Dhamma in the Vinaya, use Dhamma Vinaya to train the heart. We've already developed the skills of the world for many years now. But the skills of Dhamma Vinaya maybe, we still have much to do. (coughs) But the reason that Dhamma Vinaya leads to peace is it's very clear cut. The more our mind inclines to Dhamma Vinaya, the more clear truth, reality becomes. As Anjan Chah said, there, there doesn't have to be a lot of conversation fueled by doubt, speculation, views and opinions. The Dhamma Vinaya is clear. It's just our minds are not yet clear. So we don't see it. Or as Lumpur Liam said last week, The way of the Dhamma Vinaya is very clear cut just like these bull ants that make or have nests in the ground and they have to make earth walls around the hole into their nest. So they have many worker ants pick up grains of earth, come to the right place and drop them. Gradually they build a wall that can protect the whole colony and they have Leader ants that oversee the work. And if a worker ant comes and drops its grain of earth in the wrong place, mm-hmm. the leader ant just pushes it away. The worker ant just goes off, picks up another grain, comes back. There's no fuss, no argument or discussion. It's just clear cut. You either put the grain of earth down in the right place or the wrong place, and the leader just Sorts that out without a lot of fuss. Dhamma Vinaya is like that. Good karma is good karma, bad karma is bad karma. Kusala Dhamma, Akusala Dhamma. We're learning to reflect wisely, to use our intelligence, to reflect on our lives, our state of mind, our behavior and use the training to bring our behavior in line with Dhamma Vinaya for our own benefit, to free us from this delusion that leads us to attach to the world, get confused and suffer in the way of the world, suffer because of Kilesa. The training helps us to Recognize kilesa, isolate kilesa, and then abandon kilesa through the practice. Ajahn Chah would use the word over and over again, toraman kilesa, frustrate the kilesas often translated as torture, but means to go against or frustrate the kilesas. Because the way of the world is to follow the kilesas. The way of the Dhammo Vinaya leads us to abandon kilesa, not to follow. The way of the world leads to indulgence. The way of Dhamma Vinaya leads away from indulgence. The way of the world leads to grasping and clinging, wanting more, seeking more, competing for more. The way of Dhamma Vinaya leads to fewness of wishes, renunciation, letting go, and so on. We have these distinctions between the kilesa and the dhamma. And as the more we reflect on our lives and use the teachings that we hear and the ways of practice, then the more it becomes apparent that the way of kilesa does lead to suffering, leads to more greed, hatred and delusion arising, more ignorance. Whereas the way of Dhamma Vinaya leads to less suffering, less ignorance, less greed, less anger, less delusion. So it only makes sense that we should be finding skillful means to frustrate these kalesas, which are qualities that cause us suffering, trouble, trouble within our own hearts and trouble with other people as well. First of all, we have to recognise this, see what's going on, learn for ourselves. So we take the model that the Buddha and our teachers gave us—the you know, Four Noble Truths, dukkha, samudaya, niroda, maga—and we apply it to our experience, developing maga, particularly zila samatipanya, but particularly. Sati Sampajanya. The more we're bringing up Sati Sampajanya, the more we have the presence of mind to recognize and see Kilesa and what it does and to take responsibility for our own mind. Because Kilesa, they arise within this mind, whatever we're involved within the world or other people. In yen kilesa are arising right here in this, this mind. So the place of practice is right here. And we're born alone and we die alone. <clears throat> and the kilesas arise in this very heart, this mind. So that's the place of practice. Wherever you are, whether you're in your kuti or in the monastery or traveling or in another monastery or wherever, the place of practice is always right here and now because that's where kalesa arise. So the practice of development of Dhamma Vinaya is developing the skillful means to learn from our experience, maybe in the beginning, just learning what is kalesa, and what is not, what is Dhamma Vinaya. And Separating the two, knowing the two for what they are. And Dhamma Vinaya always leads to resolution of conflict and suffering. leads to stillness and peace, letting go. Way of Kilesa always leads to more suffering, more confusion, more agitation and so on. We're starting to look and learn from our experience in this way. And obviously we have to have a love of truth, love of the Satya Dhamma, reality. Because if you really want to change and improve your experience living as a human being, then you have to go to the roots of suffering and be very clear and true and honest and say, well, kilesa is kilesa. Kilesa, by their nature, are deluding. They hide the truth. They cover over the truth. So often, when we begin practice, we'll have our own defense mechanisms that we've built up as lay people, maybe, where we try to find excuses for or explain away kilesa ignore kalesa, suppress kalesa, rationalize kalesa, and so on. That's what we're often used to doing because of the way of the world. The way of the world is not very refined, so unless we're displaying very extreme kalesa, maybe extreme violence or selfishness, most of our kalesa is just there, but quite subtle under the surface, but we're not really addressing it. And we tend to overlook Kilesa most of the time. <clears throat> Whereas the way of Dhamma Vinaya, especially in a monastery, is constantly revealing Kilesa to us and to others, exposes the Kilesa because of the refinement of our Vinaya and our training, and the mindfulness that we're developing moment to moment starts to show Kilesa up. Sometimes it's very tiring or disappointing having to see Kalesa and work with it. But if we look at it in the right way, we can see, well, this is actually good, seeing Kalesa. Then you can start to work and let go of it. If you can't see it and recognize it, there's nothing you can do about it. Once we do start to recognize it, well, that's where the techniques of our training come in. What they call forest dhamma, the dhamma of frustrating or going against kilesa. So we have our basic Vinaya training, learning to live simply, fewness of possessions, dedicated to wakefulness, So obviously the way of Kilesa is to sleep a lot, eat a lot, talk a lot, not practice very much. The way of Dhamma Vinaya is to bring up effort in the practice, bring up the effort to establish mindfulness using our meditation techniques and to contemplate Dhamma, train in wisdom. The rules of training already are frustrating the kalesas, constantly realizing in the beginning there's things we want to do that we can't, or things we don't want to do that we have to do because of the training and the requirements of the training. But the more we reflect on our minds and on the process of abandoning kalesa, then the more hopefully we get inspired and motivated to, to do it. In the beginning, we have to depend on satha faith and confidence in the Buddha, Dhamma Sangha and our teachers, and those who've practiced before us. Because we maybe haven't experienced the happiness and the peace that comes from frustrating the Kalesa and not following the Kalesa yet. We take it on trust, we hear the teachings, we read, and it might seem to make sense, but we might not yet have experienced the pleasure or the happiness of letting go yet. So we just have to go on faith for a while. But faith turns into experience if we keep practicing. So what we learn, we have to keep applying and putting effort in Little by little, we start to experience some release and some happiness as the perculators are frustrated. First of all, we just use the and the vinaya, to keep things in check, so we're not indulging the worst of our kilesa, the more, more extreme habits that we may have picked up or that may be developing in our minds. And as we deepen the practice, then we don't just rely on the seer, but we actually rely on the presence of mindfulness and wisdom to see Kalesa for what it is. See, this is the cause of suffering. This is something not to follow. If we put effort into keeping the Vinaya, and reflecting on it and the purpose of it, well, over time it gets easier. And that practice of frustrating the kalesas gets easier, becomes, you might say, a good habit, nisaya, open where it becomes our habit to actually be restrained, not to follow greed, anger, and delusion. At first it might be a bit of a struggle, but as the Buddha said, this is the most noble struggle the most noble victory in the whole world is the victory over our own kilesa. (coughs) Far more more ennobling than the victory over other people and competing for wealth or status or reputation and so on. It's a very private kind of victory. And maybe other people don't even know what's going on. They're not aware, only we know. So we have to be very strong and patient because we won't necessarily get a lot of praise or slap on the back for the efforts we put into the practice. But hopefully little by little we can see the benefit for ourselves and then we become more motivated and more steady in the practice. We know it's a good thing. It only stands to Reason, if you keep putting effort into the practice over months, years, you keep refrustrating greed, anger, and delusion. Only stands to reason that non greed, non anger, non delusion will start to arise in their place. And the karmic effect of non greed, non anger, non delusion is you get more peace, more happiness, more of a sense of well-being in yourself physically and mentally so if you can trust in the practice and give it time for sure the kilesas will start to diminish from your mind the effect of them the power of them and the conditioning effect of them if you keep following the way of Dhamma Vinaya for sure you're going to find more peace more wisdom and the mind will become brighter and happier. You can only see it. It's a very obvious place to see it. It's just through your meditation practice. If you keep putting effort into meditating regularly, you put effort into sitting, into walking, little by little you, you get more skilled at keeping your mind turning, paying attention to your object, to the breath, you get more skilled at letting go of distraction. As you get more skilled at doing this, paying attention to your object in the meditation, and you become wiser and learn the skillful means to let go of the hindrances, well then you start to experience more peace. If you keep paying attention to a meditation object and mindfulness becomes more sustained, then pity and sukha will definitely arise as a result of that. It's just a karmic result of placing your mind with mindfulness on a wholesome object will bring pity and sukha as a result the more we do it. And pity is that feeling of fullness or completeness, you know, it's the opposite of dukkha. The kilesas always bring sense of incompleteness, restlessness, agitation, unhappiness, whereas pity is sense of fullness, fullness in body, fullness in mind that allows us to keep practicing often, helps us to deal with the pain and discomfort of the practice. Allows us to sit longer, walk longer, keep practicing. Sometimes pity comes up in just small amounts, small ways, sometimes in very large, obvious feelings and different kinds of experience. It's not something to crave in itself. It's just something to witness as... The mind turns to the Dhamma and the Vinaya and the meditation object more, pity will arise as a natural result. But by its nature, pity is exciting to the mind. It's a more refined kind of happiness than the worldly happiness that we tend to crave, but it's still a kind of happiness that excites the mind. So we still have to maintain our mindfulness and reflect not to get over attached or excited by pity and not to crave it not to make a big thing out of it but just to know it it's just a signpost on the way the same with sukha sukha is more that calming energy that comes with stability of mind continuous presence of mindfulness with samadhi Sama- Sukha brings a lot of pleasant feeling and it's a more subtle pleasure than the worldly pleasure, it's a more satisfying pleasure. It's still limited in the sense it's still a Sankara, still a conditioned phenomena. It's not the same as Nibbana or the fruits of Magapala but it's still a necessary step, and it gives us the useful comparison with the more coarser kinds of happiness the world can give us, the pleasures of the senses, the pleasures of this body, Mm -hmm. sense objects that we're used to craving, maybe before we ordain, before we practice. The Sukha now we get from the practice gives us that comparison so we can be a little bit wiser to the limitations of the world and the happiness of the world. But we also have to be wise enough not to attach to it, to see it's a factor of Samadhi but it's not an end in itself. So we carry on practicing, firming the mind up, making it more one-pointed. Pity and Sukha arise. And this puts the mind in the best spot to contemplate, to see the nature of this body and mind as it is, anicca dukkha anatta, to see how we create the world out of our delusion, our attachment to this body and mind. And from out, out from it, we create an attachment to the world, sense of self, which is really just a label we stick on to experience my body, my mind, my thoughts, my feelings, and then all the things of the world associated with this body and mind. It's just a label that delusion sticks onto things. Even the label of being a monk is already a label that we're given when we first ordain. But as I say, the true mind of a monk, true samana. Is beyond the label, it's the the mind that has developed the insight to see that the world is without self. It's not to be clung to a self. Body and mind are not self, without self. That's the true samana. In the beginning we have the label samana, which is a skillful means, but it's only superficial. We have to work inwards to go beyond the label. We have to keep questioning everything. This is the way the Buddha taught us to practice and investigate the mind that creates these labels and sticks them on, slaps them on to experience. This is me, mine, myself. This is good, this is bad, right, wrong. This is for me, this is not what I want, this is what I want, and so on. This labeling process, we keep using mindfulness and wisdom to investigate it, see how we create the world. And from that we get all the ups and downs of life, the happiness, the sadness, the pleasure, the pain, and so on. We stick a label onto it all and get caught and tangled up in all the labels. Sometimes the labels are so complex, you know, the mind is just completely caught up, spun around by all its labeling. Just like real labels, those sticky labels, when you have a few of them, maybe they all stick together and you can't separate them anymore. Sense of self is like that, just gets so caught up, the labeling, the attaching, the craving, That sometimes it's very difficult to separate anything out. And the only way to do it is just keep coming back to the Dhamma Vinaya the simplicity of the practice, the mindfulness, the effort, the investigation of truth. And this is what calms the mind down and helps to bring the clarity to see what is what. And there's nothing lost. You lose the sense of self, it's not like that you become empty and lose all everything, and your life becomes without meaning. The whole point is that you free yourself from the cause of suffering, the idea of self that keeps slipping into our experience. You free yourself from that, well, experience becomes much more easy to manage. Living in the world doesn't, isn't such a big problem anymore. Even the thought of death if there's no one, no self to die, that's, death is just a another part of the process. It's just the body, the four elements dropping away, wearing out, breaking apart, or degenerating and breaking apart. There's no self in that. There's consciousness, but even in consciousness, it's just the knowing of the truth, the Dhamma, without grasping at it as self, but just knowing without a sense of self. And death is just separation of the canvas, body goes back to the elements, consciousness carries on. So then there's nothing that is born or dies. It's just an affair of the candors which are impermanent and not self. So nothing to gain, nothing to lose, even in death. This is What the practice brings us, brings us the clarity and the good sense to know where suffering comes from and see it arising from the kalesas and rather than follow them and start to frustrate them, let go of them, not give in to them. Obviously with practice it gets easier, more pleasant to frustrate the kalesas because we get some energy, we see the rewards that come, so then we're happier to do it. And maybe even all, it's automatic sometimes, we don't have to try, we're just willing to not go again, not go along with kilesa because we know it will lead to suffering. Insight is like that, it's what you know in your mind without really having to think about it or analyze anymore. You just know kilesa leads to suffering, therefore, abandon kilesa, don't follow it. But obviously it's a gradual process of realization and clarity arising that shows us kilesa, shows us what it does and gives us the skillful means to abandon it. So if we're willing to practice and willing to be patient with it, well, we can all do it. This is what the Buddha pointed out, human beings have this skill It's the best opportunity to be born as a human, have the chance to practice, hear the Dhamma, put it into practice. We have a better opportunity than any other being in the universe to do this. So while we have the chance, we'll take it. We don't know how long it will last. We don't know how long we'll be here with good health, how long the opportunity to practice will last. We just don't know. So take it while you have it. So I'll leave you with these words for your reflection tonight.